Praise the Lord, everybody. Come on, can we give the Lord a great big hand clap of praise? Would you appreciate God today? Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise God, praise God, praise God. Hallelujah, it's such an honor to be here. And uh, thank you, Brotherhood, for those kind words. And I'm glad he pastors in Atlanta. Amen. Uh, so good to be here. Such an honor to be part of uh, this conference. And we would be here regardless of whether we were speaking or not. But uh, certainly an honor to be asked to have a little part of this service today. Hope I can be a blessing to someone in your walk with God. Praise the Lord. It's good to be among friends. I feel that I'm among friends. Uh, Men that I love and appreciate. Men that I appreciate for uh, having confidence in me and believing in, in, uh, in me. And... Uh, I appreciate uh, being rubbing shoulders with men of like precious faith that love this truth. Amen. And at the same time, uh, holding on to truth and standing for truth, but uh, endeavoring to have revival and endeavoring to have a move of God and win souls and see the work of God move forward. Praise the Lord. And so it's very good to be here. appreciate all that we have heard. We have been so very blessed in this meeting already. God has spoken to us. If this uh, day had not even come and we had to go home last night, we could truly say that uh, we would return to our respective places full and encouraged and sharpened and challenged and with needs met in our lives. Praise the Lord. And uh, I trust that God will continue the work that he's doing in this meeting. Uh, And I'm I'm glad to be teamed up with my friend, Brother Pixler, today. And I guess everybody don't feel that way. The way I heard it was that Brother Bass's judgment was questioned somewhat to put two wet-behind-the-ear pastors on the same bill that think they know everything and going to line everybody out. And uh, that's just the way I heard it. Of course, they said, too, with Weeks and Pixar preaching together, you should bring your lunch and your dinner. And I don't know what all was meant by that. Uh, but uh, I'm going to prove you wrong, all right? I'm going to prove you wrong. You're going to need your midnight snack, too. Uh, no, I'm teasing. I'm teasing. So good to be here. I appreciate my uh, wife and daughter uh, being with me today. And uh, uh, if you're wondering, that was my wife up there singing What's Wrong With Living Right last night. And I don't take her with me everywhere I go because uh, they compliment her than they do more than they do me. Praise the Lord. Turn with me, if you will, to the book of 1 John, 1 John, the fifth chapter, 1 John chapter 5, and um, I want to be reading there some things that, uh, as Brother Lawhorn said, that I've been teaching to our church the last three weeks or so, 
and uh, I have felt just to uh, continue in that vein today, and I appreciate those from our church that are here, appreciate their confidence in me, see several faces from Truth Harbor, it's so good to see uh, the saints that I pastor here, and I would love them very, very much, and uh I uh, just want to obey what I feel today. Amen. Will you help me preach? If you're wondering why I came up with Brother Hamby, I've seen weeks on the bill to speak today, and I decided to change my name to Hamby, but that didn't work. Amen. 1 John chapter 5 and verse number 7, For there are three that bear record in heaven. Now I've got your attention. The Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost, and these three are one. Oh, I'm glad I know these three are one. And there are three that bear witness in earth, the Spirit, and the water, and the blood, and these three agree in one. If we receive the witness of men, the witness of God is greater. For this is the witness of God, which he hath testified of his Son. He that believeth on the Son of God hath the witness in himself. He that believeth not God hath made him a liar, because he believeth not the record that God gave of his Son. Verse 9, this is the witness of God. This is the witness of God. And I simply want to title this today, The Witness of God. The Witness of God. Will you help me preach for just a few minutes this morning? Can we put our Bibles down, lift up our hands, and ask the Lord to help us for just a little bit today. God, we love you. Thank you, God, for your word. Thank you, Lord, that your word is powerful. It is quick. It is everything that we need today. We love you, Jesus. We give you praise. We give you honor. Oh, we ask that the Holy Ghost will illuminate our hearts. Revelation would take hold of our minds and somehow we'd learn more about you. Know more about your word, your will, your purpose in our lives today. We look to you for our help, God. Our help does not come from man. We lean not upon the arm of flesh. But we look to you, Savior. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. name. Praise God. Praise God. Praise the Lord. Amen. Lord bless you. You may be seated in the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. When God speaks, it is very powerful. When God speaks, he does not waste words. When God speaks, he speaks with purpose. When God speaks, it is for a distinct reason. When God said, let there be light, it wasn't just empty words, there was light. When God said, let the waters be gathered into one place, they immediately were gathered into one place. When God said, let the water bring forth and let the earth bring forth, the earth and the water had to obey him and do exactly what he said to do. Hallelujah. Amen. 
And uh, when, when Jesus, God robed in flesh, walked upon earth, I find statements that he made and questions that he answered and things that he said to people. And there, there's something about Jesus is that he speaks to people where they are. He speaks to you in the circumstance and the situation you are in. Everybody don't get the same word. Everybody don't get the same, uh, the, the same exact witness from God because He speaks to you in your situation, what you're dealing with, what you're going through in your circumstance. Amen. Jesus spoke to Martha and he's told her, I am the resurrection. Then he walked over to the corpse of Lazarus and said, Lazarus, come forth. He told the rich young ruler, he said, you need to go sell everything that you have and and give the money to the poor. And then he told Nicodemus, you must be born again. Hallelujah. He walked under the tree that Zacchaeus was perched in and he looked up and said, Zacchaeus, come down because I'm coming into your house today and I'm going to visit with you and talk to you for a while. He told the woman at the well, if you drink of this water you will never thirst again. There were times that Jesus asked a question and when Jesus asked a question, somebody said he already knows the answer. But he not only just knows the answer, he is the answer when he asked the question. When he when he asked the question, amen, to the man at the pool of Bethesda he said, wilt thou be made whole? Amen. He wasn't asking for himself to know, but he was the answer to that man being made whole. He asked Bartimaeus, what wilt thou that I will do unto thee? He knew what the answer was because he was the answer. Amen. He asked that one leper that came back to fall at his feet, where are the nine? Did, were there not ten cleansed? Where are the nine? He asked when the woman with the issue of blood reached out and made contact with the hem of his garment. He asked, who touched me? Praise the Lord. When he asked the question, he is the answer. Sometimes Jesus gave a rebuke. Sometimes a man, he rebuked the Pharisees and told them that they were hypocrites and that they were whited walls. And uh, he also rebuked the devil when the devil came to seduce him. A man, he said, it is written, it is written, it is written. Amen. He rebuked the money changers and said uh, my house shall be called a house of prayer but you have made it a den of thieves. And sometimes he even rebuked those who were close to him. Those who were following him. One time he turned to his right hand man Simon Peter and said get behind me Satan. You don't even savor the things that be of God. He looked across the table at Judas as he gave him the sop and he said that that thou do us too quickly. And then we find the gentle reproof that he gave to John the Baptist when John the Baptist was sitting alone in a prison cell wondering what was going on in his life. He said, you go tell John the Baptist. It's just a little gentle rebuke to him. But the blind are seeing and the lame are walking. And blessed is he who is not offended in me. Sometimes, sometimes he tells us, I'm the resurrection. I'm your hope. I'm your refuge. And then sometimes we hear that rebuke from his voice saying you need to move higher you need to get closer you need to do more you need to draw nearer you need to do better oh but I'm telling you when he speaks it is the right word for the right moment in the right situation for the need and problem that you have 
Amen. He could even speak to a fig tree and it would wither away and there would be no fruit on it any longer so that it died. Sometimes he spoke to people in encouraging ways and then sometimes it seemed that he was aloof and he brushed people off. It was just the way of Jesus. Amen. The Canaanite woman that followed him and had the need that she wanted uh, him to meet for her daughter. He basically called her a dog and said, it is not meat that I would cast the children's bread to the dogs. And yet here is a man that is sick of the palsy. And when the Lord looks at him for the first time, when he lays eyes on him, he says, son, be of good cheer. Thy sins are forgiven thee. I don't know what you came looking for today. I don't know if you came intending to hear a word of encouragement or if you thought you maybe you needed some rebuke. I don't know what you came expecting. I don't know what you asked God for. But I promise you, however God speaks and whatever God says, it's going to be right. It's going to be what is needed. It's going to be what is necessary for your condition. Praise the Lord. I'm telling you, God has a different way of talking than we do. Amen. But He never wastes words. And He always brings forth what is needed. Hallelujah. When I think about the witness of God and God testifying, I find that there are some instances where God stood up for people and He testified for them when they did not testify for themselves. He witnessed for them when they did not witness for themselves. Going all the way back into the book of Genesis, you find that 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 Abel was slain because of the jealousy of his brother Cain. And God stands up for the righteous man Abel and comes to Cain and says, Cain, I need to have a talk with you because there is the blood of a righteous man that's crying out to me from the ground. I'm telling you, God has a way of testifying for you. God has a way of defending you. You don't have to stand up for yourself. You don't have to defend your own self when you've been done wrong. God will do it for a righteous man. Even if your blood is spilled out on the ground, there's something about God. He likes to take the cause of the man who has been done wrong. I tell you where we get in trouble too many times is we want to take it into our own hands and we want to stand up and defend our integrity and defend our reputation and defend our character. Honey, you can't do enough to defend yourself. you got to stand back and let God be the witness that He wants to be. Hey, when I'm in trouble, I want God to be my witness. When I'm in trouble, when I'm on trial, I won't allow God to testify for me. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Amen, amen. I find Abraham given in to his intimidation and in his fear and afraid that his wife was going to be taken from him. And I find that Abraham is because Sarah was spared to look upon knowing that the, the, uh, the barbarianism and the, the, the hardness of the people and the heathenistic ways that they wouldn't have the second thought about killing him and taking his wife. And so he lies and says that Sarah is his sister. 
sister. But oh, let me tell you, God has a way of defending His people. Even when our own, in our own righteousness and our own efforts, say they don't measure up, Brother Copeland, when it's beyond us, God has a way of still defending us. Yes, He does. I'm glad sometimes even in my shortcomings, He defended me and stood up for me. I'm glad even sometimes in the midst of my faults, God was still my God. And He didn't throw the clay away, even though it was marred in the potter's hand. But He stepped down there and said, You old heathen king, I'm going to kill you if you don't give Abraham back his wife. I'm telling you, there's sometimes we need to step back and let God be God. He is the witness. He will testify. He will defend for you. Hallelujah. Amen. God told, God told Job, Job, you think that, that, that God told the devil, he said, you think that Job serves me just because of the blessings. And you think that he's living me for me just because that I have put a hedge around about him. You think that he's serving me just because I've held you off for so long. And as long as I keep the trickle of blessings coming in and I keep the good things coming to Job and I keep my hand on his family and I keep my hand on his health and I bless his marriage that everything's going to be okay. But I'm telling you, it wasn't just some kind of conversation of righteous men that the devil overheard. It wasn't Job bragging on his own integrity and, and reputation that the devil heard. But the devil heard God himself speak up and say, Devil, if you want to test, if you want to fight, if you want to trick somebody, why don't you go pick on Job? Why don't you look at the life of Job? Oh, let me tell you, if God looks down and sees somebody that's still got some integrity in the midst of a vile and ungodly world. When God looks down in the midst of the wickedness and iniquity of this modern day time. Oh, I hope to goodness that something in my life will testify that God can speak up. Amen. And say, hey, I've got somebody. Amen. That doesn't regard man. I've got somebody that still hates evil and hates sin. I've got somebody that still fears God. Praise the Lord. Amen, 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 amen. Praise the Lord. Y'all still with me today? Thank God. Now, I read to you in the book of 2 John, the fifth chapter, what is called the witness of God. And going through the book of First John, the writings of John, has been an interesting journey for me. I find there are three main statements that John seems to build the rest of his epistle on. And one is that God is light. And the second one is that God is love. And the third one is that God is life. He said in the first chapter that God is light and in Him there is no darkness at all. It kind of reiterates what he said in John the first chapter. John was not that light, but he was sent to bear witness of the light. And this is the light that lighteth every man that cometh into the world. Hallelujah. And then he talks about that God is love. Hallelujah. And he says, he that loveth not knoweth not God for God is love. And then when you get to the 
the last part of the book, you begin to see uh, he is saying that God is light. And he begins to talk about the life of God and the life that you and I can have in him. And as he begins to start the fifth chapter, he says, Whosoever believeth that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. And he that loveth uh, him that begat loveth him also that is begotten of him. He goes on in the second verse and he said, By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and keep his commandments. Amen. I found in, in my own little bit of experience in pastoring, I, I found most of the time when people have trouble loving other folks and getting along with other people and, and there's constantly tension and there's constantly problems with somebody else, usually the problem is not a personality clash, but the root of the problem is an obedience problem. By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and keep His commandments. Well, hallelujah. I could preach about that a little bit and I could prove it to you. Most of the times that we have conflict and we don't get along with people and we can't stand people and we don't talk to people and we're not friendly with folks and we go our separate ways and we talk about them. The problem is not personality. The problem is not simply because they're hard to get along with. I'm telling you, the problem is an obedience problem somewhere. For this, he said in verse 3, for this is the love of God, that we keep His commandments, and His commandments are not grievous. This is the love of God, not just that we keep His commandments, not just that we abide by His commandments, but this is the love of God, that we keep His commandments, and His commandments are not grievous. Well, hallelujah. And then he goes on to talk about being born of God. We read in verse number 1 that uh, whosoever believeth that Jesus is the Christ, it's what you believe about Jesus that determines whether you're born right or not. Well, praise God. Whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world. If you are really born again, you have overcoming power in you. If you are really born again, you are an overcomer. Hallelujah. Whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world. Yes, it does. And this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. Who is he that overcometh the world but he that believeth? that Jesus is the Son of God. Amen. And so then he goes on after introducing he that believeth that Jesus is the Son of God. He says this is he. This is he that that, uh, came by water and blood. Even Jesus Christ. Not by water only, but by water and blood. And it is the Spirit that beareth witness because the Spirit is truth. Hallelujah. Now, now he, you have to understand the problem that, that John is addressing. I know most of you know this. 
The problem that John was addressing was this Gnostic philosophy that, that Jesus really didn't come in the flesh. That it really was not both God and man. He just had the appearances of flesh. Hallelujah. That he just looked like he had flesh. But he really wasn't flesh and blood. Hallelujah. And the result of this philosophy was that since our bodies are inherently evil and since the flesh is ungodly and wicked, that since you have the spirit and that God is spirit, then therefore what you do in your body doesn't really matter. What you do with your flesh, it doesn't matter because it is evil anyway. Sounds like some of the things that's been preached in this modern day. And so because of this philosophy, they could wheedle out of living right and living holy and living clean and living separated from the world because it gave them an ounce. If Jesus really didn't have flesh and if Jesus wasn't really tempted in all points like as we and if Jesus didn't walk the trails of man and if Jesus didn't feel what we feel and suffer like we suffered and really shed his blood and really amen, take on our sins and die on the cross of Calvary then hey if we've got the spirit of God then therefore what we do with this old flesh since this flesh is not redeemed since this flesh is not saved since this flesh is not been changed whatever you do in the flesh doesn't really matter and they turn the grace of God into lasciviousness are y'all still with me today amen and so he begins by talking about the sonship of Jesus Christ and so he tells us that he came by water And by blood, and it is the Spirit that beareth witness. The Spirit. And the Spirit is what? Truth. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And then he goes on in verse number 7. For there are three that bear record in heaven. The Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. And then he says, and there are three that bear witness in earth. The Spirit and the water and the blood. Now I read along these verses and I said, Lord, how in the world am I to preach that? Because I'm oneness. I'm one God from the top of my head to the bottom of my feet. If you cut me, I bleed one God. I know the first commandment is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. Yes, I do. I know that there is one Lord and one faith and one baptism. I know that without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen of angels, preached unto the Gentiles, believed on in the world, received up in the glory. I know without a shadow 
shadow of a doubt that in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. I know that to wit God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself. I know that in the beginning was the Word and the Word was with God and the Word was God and the Word was made flesh. I believe in one God. I know there's one God. There's something in me that knows there's one God. Praise the Lord. There is one God and one mediator between God and men. The man Christ Jesus. Oh, hallelujah. Whew, I'm feeling all right now. And so I looked at that. There are three that bear witness in heaven. Or that bear record in heaven. The Father, Word, and Holy Ghost. And then in verse number 8, it says, And there are three that bear witness in earth. The Spirit, and the water, and the blood. And these three agree in one. Hallelujah. And so, I read just a little further down. And verse 9 says, If we receive the witness of men, the, man, the, the elders used to say, let word interpret word. If you wonder what a scripture is saying, you wonder what a verse is saying. Now, now, I'm not preaching to preachers today. I'm not trying to impress preachers. You understand that? This is probably a revelation they got in 1952. <laughs> I'd just like to help somebody in their walk with God. Hallelujah. And I, I tried to get something else to, to preach, but I can't feel anything else. As far as I'm concerned this morning, there isn't one thing else to preach this morning. This is it. This is just in me. Uh, Brother McMullen, I tried to take some notes. I couldn't make notes make sense. This is just something that's been inside of me. Hallelujah. And it goes on in verse number 9. If we receive the witness of men, the witness of God is greater. And this is the witness of God which he hath testified of his son. And I look back at verse 7 and verse 8 and it began to make more sense to me. This is not telling me that there are three co-equal, co-eternal persons in the Godhead. This is not telling me that I've got to spend a little bit of time praying to the Father and praying to the Son and praying to the Holy Spirit. No, 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 no. This is not telling me that the Son of God is the second person at the second level of a trinity. Oh, no. I'm telling you, it is the singular, witness singular of God. That everything that God is and every manifestation of God and every aspect of God stands up as a witness. Amen. To the work that He did through the man, Christ Jesus. Amen. Oh, I feel like Holy Ghost in this place today. Oh, let me tell you that when the voice was heard from heaven, this is my Son in whom I am well pleased. This is my Son. Hear ye Him. It also... Amen. Man was Jesus speaking when he said, I am 
and my father are one. We also, when, when there's a testimony there, there's a test. Come on, he'll be, stay with me just a minute. Also, when when Philip said, "You talk about the father," you mentioned the father. We want to see the father. Jesus said, "Have I been with you so long, Philip? Have I taught you, preached to you, been with you, talked to you, witnessed to you so long? You still don't have it. You still don't have a revelation. He that has seen me has seen the father." Everything that the fatherhood of God is points to the sonship of Jesus Christ. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Another witness, when you get to verse 14, what is the Word? It is simply a witness that the Word was made flesh. Jesus said, search the Scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life, and they are they which testify of me. The Word is witness of the redeeming work that Calvary brought to us. The Word is witness of what Jesus accomplished on Calvary. Everything all the way. Old Testament law all the way to the prophets that were seeing through a glass darkly and can only get glimpses of our day. Every bit of it is simply a signpost. It's simply a pointing finger that says Calvary, the blood, the Son of God, the work of redemption, the church, the revelation of truth. And God can become anything He wants to become. Out of the mouth of two or three witnesses, let every word be established. So He said, I'll become Father. Simply so I can witness to you what the work is that I'm going to do for you on Calvary. And I'll become Word. And the Word will be made flesh. Simply to testify to you what I'm going to do for you. And how I'm going to set up my kingdom. I'll become the Holy Ghost. I will not leave you comfortless. But I will come again unto you. And Jesus said, I'll go away. But I'm not going to leave you like this. But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, which the Father will send in my name. I'm telling you on the day of Pentecost when the Holy Ghost came down the disciples were not confused they weren't saying what's happening but they knew when the cloven tongues of fire sat upon them and the wind of God blew in and they began to speak with other tongues they knew this is Jesus 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 Hebrews chapter 10 talks about our high priest. It talks about once and for all he entered in. And along about chapter 10 and verse 15, he said, And the Holy Ghost is a witness of these things. I'll become a Holy Ghost in my church to witness that you can go by Calvary. When I see sonship, I see the centrality of Calvary in the Word of God. 
the centrality of His redemptive work. The central theme of everything Moses pointed to. And everything Isaiah pointed to. And everything that the apostles and the epistles pointed back to. It's all centered around Calvary. Oh, you can be seated just for a minute. Ah, hallelujah. It's the crux. Ah, it's what it's all about. Ah, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. I read in Revelations, the fourth chapter, it gives us a picture of, of the heavenly host and the throne of God. And I see some of the things in Revelations chapter 4 and Revelations chapter 5. And please, yeah, don't judge me and say, oh, that's not what that's talking about. You just let me preach. But it talks about the four and twenty elders there in the presence of the throne. And it talks about the beast. Amen. That, that had the four faces. And, and it, it talks about the, what they are saying. Holy, holy, holy. And, and, and there's so many things down through here that I could talk about. There's the lightnings and the thunderings and the voices. And, and a lot of this imagery is things that I see in the Old Testament. In First Chronicles 24, I believe it is, you find the four and twenty elders of the, the order of Aaron. You find the four and twenty orders that were appointed to uh, the order of the priesthood and and you find when God has given the law to the children of Israel you find the thunderings and the voices and the lightnings and you find in Isaiah chapter 6 you find the worship in the presence of God they are saying holy 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 you find in Ezekiel when God would begin to reveal something to Ezekiel he would carry him on a beast or, or use a beast of revelation very much like what you find in Revelation chapter 4 so I look through that and I see Old Testament order and I see Old Testament law standing there at the throne of God I see also amen the the move of God on Sinai the thundering and the lightning I see the revelation to the prophets there in the midst of the throne I see the worship amen of Old Testament patriarchs holy 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 and yet John as he looked there and he's tried to figure what all of this is about he looked and there was a book there was a book and he knew there's something important in that book there's a mystery in that book there's revelation in that book there are secrets in that book there are beauties brother Atkinson in that book he said but I looked around four and twenty elders couldn't open the book I looked around and when it thundered and lightened and great voices that didn't open the book the worship of all those that are created being saying holy 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 that couldn't open the book the beast that always brought revelation it it couldn't open the book but oh and I saw what happened I saw nobody would ever understand what's in the book nobody would ever understand the plan nobody would ever get the revelation nobody would ever get the secrets that were locked up in this book oh and I started to weep I started to weep but somebody came along and touched me on the shoulder and said weep not because the book's fixing to be open don't worry about it and he said because the line of the tribe of Judah the root of David 
yes, he hath prevailed to open the book and to loose the seals thereof. And he said, I looked, and in the midst of the elders, there stood a lamb. In the midst of everything the prophets talked to us about, there stood a lamb. In the midst of the Old Testament order, in the midst of the Passover, in the midst of the blood that was shed on the altar, in the midst of the tabernacle plan, walking through the altar, walking through the labor, walking into the tabernacle, walking by the candlestick, looking at the table of showbread, looking at the veil, parting the veil to go into the Holy of Holies. In the midst of all of it, there stood a lamb. Before that I just looked and it was a closed book. All I saw was a daddy out there putting blood on the doorpost. I feel good today. And it didn't mean anything to me. All I saw was a little spotless unblemished lamb kicking on that altar about to take its last breath. But it didn't mean anything to me. All I saw was a high priest carrying a bowl of blood and parting the veil and moving into the the holy of holies. And But it didn't make any sense to me. I, I know God required it. I, I know that's what God told us to do. All I saw was altar. All I saw was labor. All I saw was candlesticks. All I saw was showbread. All I saw was the pre- the garments of the high priest. But it was something's not lo- unlocked to me. Something's not revealed. Something I'm not understanding. Oh, I hear that unto us a child is given and unto us a son is born and the government shall be upon his shoulders and his name shall be called Wonderful and Counselor and the Mighty God and the Everlasting Father and the Prince of Peace. But I'm still at loss Something's still locked up. The book's still closed to me. I'm not understanding. But oh, what changed it all. What wiped away my tears. What brought focus to me was when in walked the Lamb of God. And when the Lamb came on the scene, then, hey, 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 I see it. When the blood is applied and He says, I will pass over you. I see it, I see it, I see it. The Lamb that was slain from the foundations of the world. I see the beauty in it now. Oh, when I see that lamb on the altar, when I see that high priest, when I see that crowd on the day of atonement waiting for the Shekinah to fall, I see it, I see it. Because the one that was worthy to unlock the revelation and to unlock the book, hey, the one that was worthy has sent us revelation. It all points to the work of Calvary. You can be seated just a minute. And also when I see the sonship of Jesus Christ, I see the revelation of the name. You talk about suspense. wonder how we would read the Old Testament if we didn't know about the New Testament. 
I know to most of you this is so simple and elementary, but I hope I can just help somebody. You like to read a suspense story. Read the Old Testament asking the question, Who is He? He's a God that walks in the cool of the day with Adam. But He don't tell him who He is. He's a God that demands Abraham to come out of Ur of the Chaldees. But He don't tell him who He is. And then when He talks to other people, He says, I'm the God of Abraham. But He don't tell him who He is. Another generation goes by, He says, I am the God of Abraham and Isaac. But He still don't tell us who He is. And another generation goes by, and now He says, I am the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And still we're wondering, who is He? And every now and then, somebody gets the nerve enough to ask. Somebody says, hey, who do I say? Tell them, who am I going to tell them that sent me? Who is the God that's going to deliver His people from Egypt? You just tell them I am that I am. That's all you tell them. And still the secret is locked. Still the mystery is not revealed. And so we go through wondering even Manoah when the angel visits him he said I just want to ask you one question. I'd just like to know one thing. What's your name? He said I can't tell you my name. It's a secret. And Manoah said oh my God. Sounds something like God to me. Every time I hear God speaking he says I ain't going to tell you who I am. I am that I am. I am the God of Abraham. I am the God of Isaac. He said, we can't even live because we've seen the Lord. What is his name? What is his son's name? If thou canst tell. Oh, let me tell you. Isaiah goes on. I've already quoted it. The son is given. The child is born. And his name is wonderful. That's not actually his name. That's the attributes of his name. Counselor. He's going to be counselor. Mighty God. Everlasting Father. Prince of Peace. And we're still scratching our heads. Wondering, what is his name? Who is he? But one day there's a troubled young man sitting all alone in a room and he's thinking about getting rid of the young lady that he's espoused to marry. And all of a sudden a supernatural walks through the wall of the room and said, Joseph, I got a message for you. I want to tell you something. Fear not to take unto thee Mary, thy wife. Don't fear to take her because that that is in her is conceived of by the Holy Ghost and she shall bring forth a son. And I got a revelation for you, boy. Don't be discouraged. Don't be troubled. I got something I want to reveal to you. And you get first dibs on it. And I ain't just revealing it unto you. But it's fixing to be a revelation to the whole world. Thou shalt bring, she shall bring forth a son. And thou shalt call his name Jesus. The book just got opened. Thank you, Passover. I see what you mean. Thank you, high priest. I see what you mean. Thank you, Tabernacle Plan. I see what you mean. It just has been revealed. The name has been revealed.
that unto the fathers by the prophets hath in these last days spoken unto us by whom his son whom he hath appointed heir of all things and by whom also he made the worlds who be in the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person and upholding all things by the word of his power I feel like preaching today when he had by himself purged our sins sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high being made so much better than the angels as he hath by inheritance by inheritance by inheritance obtained a more excellent name than they the revelation of the name well poor folks believe on me lame men when they walk they believe on me blind people follow me the fishermen that are called by the seashore they follow me sorry old dirty tax collectors they just walked away from it all when I said follow me they believe on it Ah, even these men that are ignorant and unlearned I say who do you say that I am and they say thou art Christ the son of the living God and I tell them blessed art thou Simon Barjona for flesh and blood hath not revealed this unto thee but my father which is in heaven and they've got this revelation there's something about the old stick in the mud religious order they never got it through them they're still holding on to their old doctrines and their old ways. It's time for a revelation. So I tell you who I'm going to reveal myself to. I'm going to reveal myself to the biggest knothead of all of them. The, man, the one that is most fervent about persecuting my church and fighting this revelation. If I could ever get that passion rechanneled. Ain't no telling how many churches we could start across Asia and across the Middle East. And, uh, uh, I hope y'all not tired. I'm preaching harder and you're helping me and I'm not tired yet. So on the Damascus Road, letters in his hand to persecute more of these folks called Christians. What he thought was heresy. All of a sudden, the light shone in the midst of a dark mind. And Saul finds himself flat on his back, face up, staring up and saying, Who art thou, Lord? Jehovah? That's what he was saying. Who art thou, God Almighty? The God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob? (laughs) Got a revelation for you. You tried to fight this. You tried to stomp it out. You tried to bring it down. You tried to discourage it. You tried to quench the fires of revival. But I got something for you, Mr. Pharisee. I am Jesus. You've been wondering who the Lord was. You've been wondering about this revelation. You've been wondering who I am. I am 
I'm Jesus. Ooh, glory. And I see also the establishment of the church. That when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth His Son, made of a woman, made under the law, that He might redeem us who were under the law. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse number 21. He said, For as in Adam all die, or for since by man came death, by man came also the resurrection of the dead. Amen. Let me tell you, if it was just to establish his sonship and just to give us a pretty picture of a tearful story of Calvary, it would have no effect on you and I. If it was just simply a revelation of his name and to give us a good mystery that is unlocked, it wouldn't have an effect. But I tell you where it comes down to you and I Is he didn't just come to reveal a mystery He didn't just come to die on Calvary But he came to establish a church For since by man came death By man came also the resurrection of the dead For as an Adam all die Even so in Christ shall all be made alive Amen Adam was the doors through which sin entered into the world Adam was the door through which death was introduced to mankind And when sin came And when death was introduced The door of righteousness was shut The door of holiness was shut The door of godliness and obedience was shut And man tried to be right But they couldn't do it in themselves Man tried to live holy But they didn't have the power Man tried to live up to God's laws And some got pretty close But they just couldn't seem to do it Oh and they looked at that door And said man I love God I wish that door would open But the only door open is sin The only door open is death The only door open is unrighteousness But hold on Mr. Human Being Hold on I hear the creaking of hinges I hear a door squeaking open Been shut for a long time It's been closed For a long time But I hear a door opening And when that door is open There came a sound As of a rushing mighty wind and it filled it filled the house where they were sitting and there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost ah come on now I hear a door opening today I see a door open there's an open door to an outpouring there's an open door to revival there's an open door to souls being saved there's an open door today ah yes The door to righteousness is open. The door to truth is open. Hallelujah. Woo. Amen. Praise Adam all die, even so in Christ shall be made, all shall be made alive. But every man in his own order. Christ the first fruits. He walked through the door first. And afterward they that are Christ at his coming. Then cometh the end, when he shall have delivered up the kingdom to God, even the Father. When he shall have put down all rule, and all authority, and all power. For he must reign, till he hath put all enemies under his feet. That's why we're still in the fight today. That's why we're still in the battle. We are the body of Christ. 
That's why we're still, amen, fighting the fight of faith is we're trying our best to get all the enemies under our feet. For he must reign till he hath put all enemies under his feet. The last enemy that shall be destroyed is death. Oh, hallelujah. Then shall the Son also himself be subject unto him that put all things under him that God may be all in all. Son of God that came to die in our place to reveal the name and to establish a church delivers the kingdom to God Almighty I hope I'm not confusing you today come here Reverend Bass God Almighty hey man get up get up here let's let's be God today and God decides to robe himself in flesh and do the work of Calvary that could only be done by man, by a spotless lamb. And he begins to draw because of the work. What one of the prophets said, I don't have time to preach everything I preached in three weeks and you wouldn't want me to anyway. Amen. Brother Pixler wouldn't want me to. And I'm the only one that wants to. <laughs> But God Almighty robes Himself in flesh, wraps Himself in human form. And one of the prophets said, Oh, that there was a daysman, a daysman between us. That there was a go-between. That somebody could reach down to man and reach up to God. And, and that there would be a channel of connection. Amen. That, that will make up the gap and make up the hedge for what we've been missing for oh so long. And so God robes Himself in flesh and becomes the Son of God. That He could reach all the way down to sinful humanity reach down to the pit that you were in reach down to the sin sick condition that you were held captive in and he began to reach for you he began to reach for you and draw you and draw you and draw you and now there's a connection now you can feel him now you can be touched now you're in the church and now he's working on you now there's a connection he's working on you he's working on you he's working on you he's working he sent a preacher to preach to you to work on you he sent you the score conference to work on you. Hallelujah. And so now there is a connection. Come on, brother, that wasn't in the script. Now there's a connection. And now what he's doing. Come on up a step, child getting closer man still gotta work on you still gotta knock off some some chips and still gotta conform you to my image but doing better buddy and now 
He's bringing us closer. Well, you got a few things under your feet that you used to didn't have under your feet. Right. You're doing better. You got more victory in your life. You got more maturity in your life. Amen. And now his work is, is, is doing more in us. Come on closer. Come on closer. And then there's coming a day when he shall deliver up the kingdom to God, even the Father, when he shall have put down all rule and all authority and all power. Then come at the end. Then come at the end. And the last enemy that shall be destroyed is death. Ah, and let me tell you, you say, well, that sounds like father and son to me. That sounds like Trinitarian to me. God the God the Son offering up to God the Father. Let me tell you, read Ephesians chapter 5 and verse number 25. It says, Husbands, love your wives even as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. Verse 27, that he might present to himself. Yes. Come on. A church not having spot or blemish. <laughs> He's going to say, all right, I'm bringing it to myself. It was me all along. I rolled myself in flesh. I did what needed to be done. I purchased your redemption. I reached down to where you were. I called you out. I filled you with the Holy Ghost. I established my church. Come on up. Come on up. You won't need an intercessor. You won't need a mediator. You won't need it at all. I bring you to myself. I go away that where I am you may be also in my father's house our many mansions if it were not so I would have told you so you know what Calvary did Calvary was going after you to bring you to God amen you know what the revelation of the name did it illuminated your mind to show you God you know what God established a church for to get you in an altar and to fill you with the Holy Ghost and to bring maturity to your life so he could bring you to himself thank you thank you thank you Come on, let's thank God for this revelation today. I'm not confused. I know Jesus is the Father. I know Jesus is the Son. I know Jesus is the Holy Ghost. And all these three are one. Let me tell you who Jesus is. He's the rock of all ages. Hallelujah. a couple more minutes John said he that believeth on the son of God hath the witness in himself I'm not just talking about a God way up there in heaven or a God that touches us every now and then but let me tell you today the witness is not just something God spoke about one time and that's it it's not just a revelation he gave to us one time and that's it but I want to tell everyone God Jesus name apostolic believer today that you have the witness in yourself 
when you walk down that aisle and you begin to cry and pray and you were filled with the Holy Ghost he didn't just touch you a little bit you didn't just shake some preacher's hand you didn't just sign a church card you didn't just accept him as your personal savior no 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 but when you really believe you get a witness that you believed Romans 8 says the spirit beareth witness with our spirit that we are the sons of God hey you got a witness and when you got it it started witnessing through you they said we know Cornelius's household got the Holy Ghost just like we did because we heard a witness they spoke with tongues they spoke with tongues yes they did even as we did at the beginning I've got this witness that's why some preaching I've heard I'm not talking about this meeting but there's a witness in me brother Lawhorn made me so mad he stepped all over my message and I prayed him off of it he came back and trounced on it again I thought Lord have mercy if that man was really led by the spirit he had no better than to get on my sermon no I'm teasing I'm just joking I'm telling you, there's something about it in the preached word when it's right. Mm-hmm. When it's right, I've heard some stuff. I, mm, I don't know, man. Something just don't check. But brother, if it's right, it might be faith. It might be holiness. It it, it might be separation from the world or it might just be a word of encouragement or it might be a Bible study on one God or a Bible study on revelation or or guidelines for dating. Y'all ain't shouting now, are you? But brother, when it's right, there is a witness inside of me. Something stands up inside of me. Hey, when a preacher gets anointed and he's right and he's preaching the Word of God. Hey, I don't just sit there. There's something inside of me that stands up and says, hey, that's right. I worry about people that can just sit there and say, oh, I've heard all of this before. I heard. Evidently, you got something wrong with your witness. I can... Mm, I can still hear Acts 2.38 and do that start moving up and down me because some witnesses in me say this is right, this is right, this is right I can still hear one God, one God one God and some moves inside of me hey, there's a witness that says this is right that other stuff, that old watered down charismatic junk, that ain't right some don't witness in me some just don't click right but when a one God Jesus name holiness preacher gets behind the sacred desk and begins to preach under the unction and anointing of the Holy Ghost something starts a stirring inside of me it's a witness I've got the witness I've got the witness in me and sometimes just sometimes just reading the word may not be verse 2 may not be verse 8 but somewhere in there in reading something moves in me and it might not have been the first chapter, but I feel something, Brother Pixler. And I know you can't just all go by feeling, Brother Atkinson already straightened all that out. But I'm telling you, there's been times I needed an answer, and I, 
I was perplexed and I, I was looking. And brother, I got in that word. It might not have been the first chapter. It might not have been verse 2 or verse 3. And it might not have been all of my daily devotional that day. But just something speaks to me. Have you ever had something just about knock you out? And I ain't talking about just for something to preach either. But when God speaks to me, and I know God loves and cares enough about me, He sent something for me. And it's God, there's a witness inside of me. I've been reading my Bible, and I got up and I said, My God, I'm about to have a Holy Ghost fit right here. I, there wasn't a crowd, wasn't a fast song, wasn't a preacher that had it up high emotionally. It was just a witness inside of me. It was just a witness. Yeah, man. Oh, oh, John goes on saying, "This is the confidence that we have in Him that whatsoever we ask when we when we pray." Amen. We believe that we have these things and we know that we have these things and and all. And let me tell you, there's been some times God made me some promises. And it looked like it's not coming to pass. And it looks like it's not going to come to fruition. And it looks like, amen, that everything God told me was going to happen was going to come to pass. That it's never going to come to pass because of my present circumstances. But let me tell you, I keep on walking because I've got a witness in me. Every time I just about sit down and say, that's it. Why even try? It ain't looking like we ever going to have the kind of revival I want to have. Don't look like it's ever going to come to fruition. God, did I really hear your voice? God, did you really speak to me? God, did you really send that preacher by to preach that to us? But I'm telling you, just about the time I get to the lowest point of discouragement, I feel something stand up inside of me that says, don't you look at how things are going. Don't you go by how you feel. Don't you look at faces. Don't you listen to the voice of discouragement there is a witness inside of me that says what I have started I am going to finish what I have told you I would do I am faithful to perform it what I told you the way I work I'm going to work the revival I told you I would give I will give the work I sent you here to do I will complete the work it's beyond you but you just hold on and Every time I'm about to go down, I feel a witness. I feel a witness. And it begins to pick me back up. I'm going to do it. I promised. Maybe I'm preaching to a pastor that's discouraged and troubled. I just came to tell you what you're feeling is not just a mere wish. What you're feeling is not just a want to. But there is a witness. It's in your prayer. It's in your preaching. It's in the evangelism that comes by. It's in the saints' faces. It's in the church. There's a witness that says, I will do it. Keep worshiping. Keep praying. Keep believing. Keep standing. You have the witness. Come on, let's love God right now. God's speaking to people all over this place. Come on, the Lord's speaking to people. Hallelujah. 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 Come on. I feel God speaking to people. 
We've got time today. We've got time today. Come on. Hallelujah. Is there somebody that needs strength today? Somebody you look around and everything you see is discouraging. It looks like every promise that God has made you has not come to pass, is not coming to pass, and will never come to pass. I want to tell you that's a lying spirit. The devil is a liar. There is a witness inside of you. You feel it when you pray. You feel it when you talk about it. You feel it, you feel it, you feel it. I'm telling you, you've got that witness. Come on, let's love God. Let's love God today. Come on, let's reach up to Him, everyone. Come on, let's lift our hands and feel after God. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah.